Well, you sent me packing down Green River Valley. I knew that if you couldn't, then no one would have lost myself drinking. Good Monday, y'all. Uh, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Uh, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I'm sure most of you have the day off and are spending it binge-watching TV or sleeping in or whatever. Um, we should all really have mandatory community service or something today. Um, at least make sure to speak up for something or someone in need. Uh, get your uh, Joe Strummer on and let Fury have the hour. That's a phrase that actually comes up in today's episode. Um, ben Nichols from Lucero is our guest, and Lucero is coming to Colorado to play the Stanley Hotel for the first time ever um, in Estes Park, uh, Saturday, January 21st as part of a Westerns and Whiskey weekend. That sounds really cool. I, I think it's the first Westerns and Whiskey weekend. There are whiskey seminars and Western movie showings in Lucero, um, who's a great fit, and, um, you know, with the, with the alt-country sort of rock and roll vibe. Um, Lucero has a new record coming out, and the first song is called One Last Fuck You. Um, and Instead of the zombie apocalypse theme on this episode, I asked Mr. Nichols to uh, pick five albums he would take to the Stanley if he wound up trapped there, like Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. Um, here's my chat with the very humble and thoughtful and tattooed uh, Ben Nichols from Lucero, who uh, did the interview at 9 a.m., um, which I was impressed with. <laughs> um, first, a few words from the Velvet Elk Lounge, a new sponsor we're extremely grateful for. Um, I played a show at the Velvet Elk recently on 13th Street in Boulder. I have fond memories of that show. I, I got to play uh, Ohio by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young into War Pigs by Black Sabbath, and I had a blast. And, um, for such a small venue, the Velvet Elk really has a great sound um, and a great vibe. And anyway, we will see you on the other side. This episode of Mile High Stash is brought to you in part by Boulder's newest live music destination, the Velvet Elk Lounge, a small yet funky downtown venue where you can check out a concert or just grab a proper cocktail at the bar. The Velvet Elk is open Wednesday through Sunday with a happy hour from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. each night. Check out velvetelklounge.com for upcoming events, including Stillhouse Junkies Friday, January 20th, and Open Stage, hosted by Hunter Stone, Wednesday, February 1st. If you're doing interviews at 9 a.m., have you mellowed? Oh, um, I, that was just the time. 
<laughs> got set. I, I would have slept in longer probably. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we got up for this interview. Uh, I'm in a hotel room in Nashville actually. Okay. Um, doing a Justin Towns Earl. Uh, oh yeah. Celebration uh, memorial type thing at the Ryman this evening with uh, Steve Earl's band, the Dukes, is the backing band. Yeah. And they got a whole bunch of folks uh, singing Justin Towns Earl songs. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a song tonight. Um, so. Yeah, I'm in this hotel room. Uh, I've been in. I was here for rehearsals yesterday, and mm-hmm. I had nothing, not much to do, yeah. except go out in a hotel room. So I'm fairly well rested, actually, for for nine a.m. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I yeah. remember, I remember seeing Justin Townsend at the Fox Theater in Boulder about ten years ago, and it was just him and a guitar, yeah. and it was one of the most moving performances that I've ever seen. He had some. He had really good songs. Yeah, yeah. No, he, had, he had some great stuff. We toured with him. A couple of times um we did a few you know like three week four week long runs together yeah um and we always got along with him just fine uh i know he could be a little on the rambunctious side and he uh i don't know i know he had some adventures <laughs> but uh but we got along with him real well so i'm happy i can do this tonight but yeah, yeah but being stuck in a hotel room yeah i haven't gotten out much so so yeah it wasn't it wasn't too hard getting up at 9 a.m <laughs> that's good man and so um, speaking of being stuck somewhere, um, uh, the theme that we're going to go with here intermittently is asking you five albums that you would take with you if you were stuck at the Stanley Hotel, like, right. you know, Jack Nicholson's character in The in the Shining. Sure. You know? uh, all right. And then uh, let's see, I, read, I did write something down somewhere. Well, I don't know. The first album that came to mind when mm-hmm. that... Uh, when I saw that question was um, I'd have to take Nick Cave's uh, ghost team. I love all the stuff he's been doing um, with, is it Warren Ellis? Is that the guy's name from the dirty three? Uh, right. who I think is also in the bad seeds. Yeah. Uh, and they've done a lot of soundtrack work um, recently. And I don't know the stuff they've done on the last few Nick Cave and the bad seeds records is just kind of blows me away. It's yeah. uh, and so, yeah, if you haven't heard the Ghost Teen record. I haven't heard that one. It's worth listening to for sure. It's just, I love Nick Cave, all of Nick Cave. Um, but the new stuff uh, has kind of this weird sonic uh, ambient kind of quality to it that, I don't know, it's just cool. It's unlike unlike anything else, really. So um, The Grinder Man stuff also. Um, that's real fun. I'm in love and with that's it. Kind of, the opposite direction of ghost team. Yeah. Um, it's just, that's balls to the wall, rock yeah. and roll yeah. in your face. Um, whereas the bad seeds, the newer bad seeds stuff is much more subtle and amorphous and um, very emotional, but, hmm. um, but yeah, not your standard rock and roll record. It's something yeah. different. Well, speaking of not your standard rock and roll record my favorite thing that you've worked on is the cormac mccarthy inspired album oh, yeah. and, um i mean that's probably the most violent novel maybe in existence and they can't make it into a movie they've tried to make it in, into a movie and it just doesn't work yeah somebody's got the rights to it i'm not sure who it's stuck with somebody right at the moment um and there's still folks trying to make it into a movie and they've some they've talked to my brother um, Jeff Nichols, who's a, actually a filmmaker, 
Um, and they've, they've even talked to him about it a little bit. I don't know if it's something he would tackle. Um, but, but yeah, that it is a blood meridian. It's definitely a violent book. Um, but that's not the reason I love it necessarily. Um, it's more that, uh, just the struggle between the judge and the kid who are kind of the two main forces in the novel, Hmm. um, set put into this setting. It's, you know, it's your, maybe the kid represents good, but, uh, and and the judge's evil is uh it's it's an interesting one um there's also just because he's so knowledgeable and so worldly uh and charismatic and and logical there's there's all this stuff wrapped up in the judge that goes along with his um evilness sounds Um, like satan to me uh and you might you come away from the book wondering if he actually is Satan. Um, And so, so that's those two characters and those two, uh, you know, general ideas put into this uh, setting, like an early, very early Western uh, set. Um, I don't know. And then it's just, it's written in a way that kind of like the ghost teen record, it's not your usual um, Western at all. And just the language Cormac McCarthy uses is uh, it's poetic, and it reminds me of his phrasing and stuff. It's, just, it's like reading it's like reading the Bible, like it yeah. has kind of a King James Bible uh, ring to it, um, yeah. which I thought was perfect for that uh, story that he wanted to tell. So, so yeah, I just went through and <laughs> to get back to the album, I mm-hmm. went through the book and uh, just you know, underlined all my favorite lines that I thought would sound great in uh, folk songs. Um, and yeah, I just stole a bunch of good lines from it and wrote songs around those yeah. really Cormac McCarthy lines. Um, and Do you play them. any of those songs with Lucero? Um, not usually. Uh, sometimes uh, sometimes you'll get one or two in a Lucero set. Uh-huh. Um but usually I'll save those more for the solo, the solo sets. Mm. Um, Cause it was uh, at the time I just did the record with my keyboard player, Rick Steph. And mm. we had a, a pedal steel player at the time, Todd Bean. Um, and they were the only two other folks on the record. Yeah. Um, so there's no drums on the album. There's, and there's no bass guitar. And um, there's not much for the Lucero guys to do. Um, but at the end of the night, sometimes uh, I'll do, a couple of songs by myself and and sometimes yeah. you can squeeze in a, a blood meridian song that way nice um, and actually I t- i've taken to the first song on the album is called last pale light in the west it's the title track to mm-hmm. the album um and when my daughter was born six years ago uh i didn't know any lullabies really uh and just carrying her around trying to calm her down and sing to her at night and stuff uh i sang the Blood Meridian album actually just kind of acapella, yeah. uh, kind of like fake lullabies and change the cadence and stuff a little bit. And um, but Last Pill Light in the West actually works pretty well as a as a lullaby. Um, and so I'll even do that sometimes at the uh, at the shows nice. just to end things on a quiet note some nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they get played from time to time, but not not as often as other Lucifer songs. Yeah. 
what is your uh, history in Colorado and, and, and maybe your memories of uh, showing up here in the middle of winter to play a show? Um, yeah, we definitely got caught in some snowstorms there. Um, but the main thing I remember about Colorado is just how, uh, we got lucky. It's always been a very welcoming place for Lucero. Um, I think there was an indie record shop, uh, in Denver, um, who happened to get our very early recordings. It's called the attic tapes. It wasn't even a real record. It was just something we did on a little eight track in my guitar player's dad's attic. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. And so we made this album on, on cassette tapes. Um, and somehow he got a copy of that and played it over and over, I guess, in this, in this little record shop. And, and, you know, we were just starting to tour then and we'd show up in a new town. And if you had 15 people, you're like, Oh, this is gonna be a great show. Mm -hmm. This is huge. Um, and most shows were, you know, a handful of people, three or four people, sometimes, sometimes just us and the bartenders. Um, and so we showed up in Denver and since this guy had been playing the songs in his record shop there were like 250 kids there and that just blew our minds yeah. um, so it was one of the biggest shows we'd ever played at the time and denver and colorado uh in general stayed very uh a very good place for lucero to play uh, and still is to this day it's one of our biggest uh uh markets i guess yeah um and we became friends with a band from uh, Fort Collins called uh, Drag the River. Oh, we yeah. Them a whole lot. Casey so Presswood. A what? Casey Presswood and the Burning Angels is is um, uh, Casey from Drag the River. All right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we toured a lot with them and, and we hang out with them all the time. Um, and so... And now our management company, actually, uh, we ended up going with a management company called 7S that's located in Denver. Right. Um, so just kind of over the years, we've built up friendships and, and ties of different kinds with uh, with Colorado. And uh, so it makes it, uh, I don't know, it makes it a very welcoming place for us. Um, yeah. We love, and, and yeah, y'all can't, it's just gorgeous there too. So yeah, love to be, we like it there. <laughs> Uh, there's definitely a, a reputation for you specifically here. I've heard a lot of people say, if you go to see Lucero and you want to do a shot of whiskey with Ben on stage, he has to do it. It's like a rule. <laughs> I, I'm sure, I'm sure I've declined shots at some point in the past, but um, <laughs> not as many as I've taken. Right. Yeah. What is your history with the Stanley Hotel? You know, not only playing there, maybe, but also uh, mythologizing it, maybe as a kid or something. I have to admit, we've we've never been there, so we're very excited. Oh, yeah, uh, this will be our first trip there. Uh, I knew, I always knew about the Murder by Death. Yeah, uh, are they New Year's Eve parties that they have there? The shows it's in January sure. every year. Yeah, January. Gotcha. Uh -huh. So yeah, they're wintertime parties. Um, mm -hmm. I've known about those, but I've never been to one um and so so yeah we're excited to have a chance to come actually uh play the place yeah um and i'm not i'm, I'm a fan of the movie i'm not mm -hmm. an expert on it or anything um and actually i'm not even sure is the stanley hotel where they filmed interiors or exteriors or both 
Um, or, did, or was it just the inspiration or what exactly yeah. what exactly is the tie of the i know the hotel's tied to the the, the shining the film yeah um, stephen or, king or the book just uh, the book actually because stephen king book. stayed there and and he heard all these stories um about it and was inspired to write the book and then when they made the um stanley kubrick movie they filmed right. the exteriors in Mount Hood, Oregon, and the interiors in England, and he okay. was pit- he was pissed, and so right. they they made a CBS uh, a miniseries uh, that Stephen King worked on, and they filmed all of it at the Stanley. All of it. All right. Well, that I need to look up. Um, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that's on Amazon, or I wonder if you can. I wonder where you, where you can find that. Um, you can find I'll, everything I'll somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I should have done that already, but. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe I can download it and watch it on the plane. Um, because I've, well, I hate to admit, I've never actually read the Stephen King, uh, book. Um, I've seen the movie plenty of times, but, um, so yeah, so this will be, um, I will, I will be, uh, looking on this with fresh eyes. Um, but I do love the story. Um, and I guess I don't know. Yeah, being stuck, uh, being stuck someplace for an entire winter. Um, my second album that I have is a. Uh, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas, originally, um, and there's a guy there named Adam Fawcett. Okay, uh, who's doing? He sometimes he plays full band, sometimes he does just acoustic, uh, but he's a, just a really good songwriter, and he's got an album called a. Uh, it took the form of a bird um, that I really love. Um, there's a song called Living on the Moon uh, that's that's brilliant. And uh, and that might be appropriate for living at the Stanley yeah. Hotel over winter. Um, I don't know. And then also being stuck somewhere, it's I almost feel like this record's a cop-out, but just I've got to take the band's Brown record with me just because I'd never go... I never go too long without going back to that album. That's kind yeah. of been a part of Lucero's DNA for ever since we started. Um, so, so yeah, that's records number two and three, I guess. Showed me the fork in the road. You can take to the left or go straight to the right. Use your days and save your nights. Be careful where you step and watch what you eat. Sleep with a light and you got it bands um I've, I've never called it that but i've never heard anyone call right. it that before that's a good name for it is it self-titled is it that yeah. is that so the band. Yeah, self-titled record um i don't know yeah i'm not sure maybe that's just what we call it within our group um it should be called that that's a good it's like metallica's black album you know it's exactly of, but it's yeah. the yeah it's the brown record yeah um, and yeah that's they've got Obviously, there's other great songs on other records, but that one, that one's the one that really captures, um, I don't know, it really captures the band and, and what they do and what they do best. Yeah, um, yeah great songs. Being from Arkansas and then also coming up through Memphis, do you yeah. feel like a, a responsibility for carrying the torch of these great artists, you know, Sun Records I... and all that? 
I don't know. No, I think um, I think we're kind of we're not really a very punk rock kind of band, but we might be punk rock enough to disdain uh, the idea of torch carrying really right. and reject that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't. I don't know. No, the idea of living up to anyone else's standards is, um, I don't know, not appealing to us. <laughs> and, uh, and we've done a good job of shooting ourselves in the foot numerous times um, and dropping whatever torches we were entrusted with. Um, I, I am proud of where I'm from. And yeah, Levon Helm is from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was one of the things that, you know, intrigued me about the band in the first place. Um Johnny Cash was from Arkansas. And um, so, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Memphis has all sorts of great musical history. Um, and it is really nice. I don't know. I have to admit, it is nice just being... I just wanted to be a footnote in that whole um, that whole lineage. Um, just being able to play the game and just be, just be a part of that history um, is does it does feel nice um now whether i don't know as far as creating you know music that i don't know um transcends what's come before it um i don't know if i'm really interested in doing that um it's really just much more uh simple and self-serving it's really just writing songs that uh that kind of getting me through the long nights um mm-hmm. emotionally it's not really uh to um i don't know make any kind of statement out in the world it's more lucero music is much more uh personal i guess so it's much more uh inward looking um so yeah i'm not as concerned with the uh i don't know uh yeah i'm I'm just uh i'm happy with where we are and what the music does for me and we're very lucky that we get uh to make a small living out of that too um but as far as becoming big rock stars i don't think that was ever really one of our goals right i did an interview with with adam from uh, uh, murdered by death last week yeah and uh, um one of the things that people said in in response, because it was on my podcast too, was that um, his voice sounded nothing like he does on record, this big, deep right. voice. And with you, I'm so struck by, not only is your music singular, I mean, as soon as you start singing, you, you know it's Lucero. Um, right. You know, but um, even right now, I mean, your speaking voice really is, it sounds like Lucero. You're the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Um... For better or for worse, we're kind of just trapped in a, we are what we are, uh, yeah. wise. Um, when I, when I was looking to, I moved to Memphis for to date a girl, but I was immediately looking to start a band. Um, I was j- just out of school and I was looking, I knew I wanted to be in a band and I really wanted to buy a van and go on the road and play small rock and roll clubs and just have tours and adventures and have fun that was my goal um and it was a lot more difficult finding guys uh that also wanted to do that it was more difficult than i thought it would be um and so 
I found Brian Venable, my guitar player, but he'd never played guitar in a band. He'd never been in a band before, really. Um, and so, and I had never played guitar. I was looking for a really good guitar player. Couldn't find one. And so I learned how to play guitar a little bit. I've been writing songs on the bass guitar in high school. Um, and Brian had never played guitar. So we kind of learned very roughly and wrongly how to play guitars together. Um, just because there was nobody else that there's nobody else around to, to do it. Um, and then the other guys in the band kind of popped up um, in weird ways and just kind of, I got an eclectic group of characters. Um, we don't, we wouldn't make good studio musicians. We can't do that. That's right. not us. We can only function as, as Lucero uh, musically. Um and so, yeah, we are what we are. You get what you get with us. Um, for like I said, for better or for worse, sometimes. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we've been lucky that uh, at least our our hardcore fans have stuck with us for quite a while. Um, and so, so yeah, it's nice. But um, but I don't know if Lucero was what I exactly had in mind when I started. Right. Uh, but it's the band I got, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my voice is. Yeah, maybe not what I would have wanted to use as an instrument for the rest of my life, but it's it's the one I've got. <laughs> it worked out. It worked out. All right. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not complaining. Yesterday, I went and listened to your most recent album and your very first album. Uh, I was so struck that the very first song, when you were probably 20-some years old, Right. You yeah. said there ain't no strength left in this heart of mine. And I was thinking already there were you already right. out of strength. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. It was a, yeah. I've been nostalgic since before I, yeah. Nostalgic <laughs> for stuff that I'd never done for sure. Right. Um, and I don't know. Uh, it might've been, I might've leaned been leaning a little hard into that uh, whole I don't know what you'd call it. Um, just kind of melancholy uh, view on life in the early stages of Lucero. Um, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, we've been a band for 23 years now or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe almost 25 years now. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's insane. Just that alone is nuts. Yeah. Um, the, what I am proud of is that I can sing those songs off of, you know, the attic tapes or the self-titled album. Um, and most, you know, 98% of the songs, I can sing them today and still really put my heart behind it. And uh, I can stand behind the lyrics that I wrote 25 years ago. Most of the time, there's a few things that bug me, um, but but not not as much as you might think for a 25-year-old song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then just sonically, obviously things evolve, and and then really that just kind of comes down to whatever, whatever mood I'm in at the time we're recording an album, and whatever I've been listening to, and whatever's caught my attention, um, and that's how you get like uh, the When You Found Me album, which was made during COVID, and yeah, I was listening to things like Nick Cave's Ghost Teen, and um, a lot of movie soundtracks and stuff. And so that kind of worked its way into, into the Lucero songs. Um, but the, what I think is a good thing, some of our fans don't necessarily agree, but I like that you can take the Lucero model and then filter it through these different, um, 
ideas. It could be a stripped down, very straightforward Americana record mm-hmm. uh, with acoustic guitars and upright bass. Um, or it could be, um, a, it could have synthesizers all over it um, or be more just straight up rock and roll, which I guess our newest record, which comes out in February, um, it's kind of just the rock and roll model, uh, the kind of 90s garage band, um, just two guitars, bass and drums mm-hmm. and keep. Um, is but, that one is that one gonna have uh one last fuck you on it? Yeah, that's the yeah. first that's that'll be the first track on on uh the new album. Uh, the album's called uh Should Have Learned by Now, which I think is I was happy when I came up with that. I thought that was very appropriate for a 25-year-old Lucero. Um Should Have Learned by Now. And yeah, the first track's one last fuck you. Yeah, which is you know, I love the title, but it's not our most serious title. Um so it's definitely this next record's uh uh I don't know. There's nothing real sacred on this record. There's nothing real uh, precious about it. It's just kind of a, a goofy rock and roll record in the in the best way, hopefully. Fuck yous can be sacred and uh, you know <laughs> sure. like like if you get to sing that song on stage every night, there might be somebody who you're secretly singing to. a hundred percent. And and I've the few times we haven't played it a whole lot. We've started playing it live, um, but in the few times I always feel like I've got to preface it with like, "All right, guys, this is not about you. <laughs> I'm singing this for anyone, you know, that you want to say this to. Yeah, I'm giving you this to focus on. You know, you can shoot it at anybody you need to. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, it's a, uh, I don't know." singing a song with that kind of attitude yeah it definitely is um cathartic and it feels good uh it does feel good to sing um maybe not in the healthiest way <laughs> but it's but it's but it's nice to indulge in from time to time um and it's a fun rock it's just a yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a good rock and roll song there's that a joe strummer line um, let fury have the hour anger can be power yeah yeah exactly it's, it falls in line with that for sure so album number four no, oh album number four yeah. um man let's see i wrote a list of more than five and then i figured i would just pick at the very last moment um uh one of my favorite albums of all time that i can always put on um the crowded house self-titled record oh wow you know that one? Um, with something so strong on it and yeah uh, oh yeah i don't know that'll be my kind of retro record um but yeah i found that when i was in junior high or whatever um and that wasn't my friends didn't necessarily listen to it i don't know how i came across it um Mm -hmm. and didn't really realize anybody else listened to it until uh brian the guitar player in lucero he loved that record when he was a kid and that was something we had in common um and it got played in the tour van quite a bit in the old days especially um so just for my comfort food kind of record Mm -hmm. uh that old crowded house record i I would take that along too uh is it neil neil finn right is that uh it's just he's an excellent songwriter yeah and, and a great singer um and they do all the 
they have everything that I want for Lucero, just, you know, tone wise and, and just uh, quality wise. Uh, it's just, it's good stuff uh, that, that, that we can never quite achieve. They can do something that we can't. Um, we are much more rougher around the edges. Um, but, but I still like that stuff. <laughs> I, I like music that I have no chance of ever achieving sometimes. You um, can always try. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We shoot for it sometimes. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and like I said earlier, and then we get what we get, right. um, which isn't bad sometimes. There's um, nothing wrong with being yourself. I mean, it's got, it's got you where you are today. Exactly. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I might be harping on that too much, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm very, uh, I don't know. I love what we do. Um, and like, I, and again, I said it earlier, the songs really do help me just kind of navigate my life and kind of, uh, if, yeah, if I'm down, it, just the act of playing a song, just even in a room by myself, uh, helps, you know, um, and it can really turn things around for me. Um, and so, yeah, then getting to do it on stage every night, uh, with a live crowd. Um, yeah, it's not, a, it's, it's, it's lifestyle can, can be unhealthy sometimes, but, um, emotionally and psychologically it's uh it definitely helps me um yeah so so yeah so i'm, I'm happy with where we're at <laughs> one of my favorite lines is all you've got left is some empty bottles and an old country song that plays uh, on and on yeah and that was that was the you know the 26 year old ben nichols just reconciling to being a grumpy old man mm -hmm. um and in some ways i think at the time when i was younger I was like, oh, maybe I'll I'll write some songs for when for when I am down uh, and for when I am, you know, kind of broken and down and out. Um, I'll write some good songs that I can sing then that'll make me feel better yeah. in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, drink to Oregon might might be one of them. Um, I don't know. There's a certain strength in admitting. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just the kind of. If you can write a good, lovable loser type song, um, th those are hard to beat. Yeah, uh, just in my personal opinion and in my my taste for songwriting. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of what I was going for with some of those some of those loser songs. There's definitely a, a line from Hank Williams too, um, lyrics like that. Sure, and yeah, I love all that Hank Senior stuff, um, and was listening to quite a bit of that. Uh, that was really that was the first direction Lucero was really going was that, you know, the Johnny Cash stuff and the Hank senior stuff and that kind of classic country, uh, you know, there's plenty of down and out cowboys and, um, you know, late nights at the bar and regret and guilt and all that great stuff in those early country songs. And that was definitely something that spoke to me and that I wanted to kind of tap into. And yeah, I might have, I might, like I said, I might have leaned a little hard <laughs> into that direction, but um, I think Lucero might have found, um, I don't know, something a little more personal uh, eventually. Um, but just jumping right into that, uh, I don't know, whatever I thought classic country was, 
Yeah. Uh, just jumping right into that at the beginning. Uh, that got us going and that got me excited about songwriting. And once I figured out I could write songs kind of in that genre, um, it was, it, it was, it was exciting because I, I knew I could, I had a starting point that was solid and then it was a place to kind of grow from, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we've done. Maybe the people who really are a, a, the torchbearers are the ones who kind of wouldn't want to be like a Groucho Marx type. Ooh, maybe so. Maybe so. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I guess sometimes, yeah, you're a torchbearer whether you want to be or not. Um, and yeah, I have a feeling there's a few bands out there. Um, some of them we've come across that probably, uh, that might not exist if, uh, I don't know, if Lucero hadn't been around. Maybe, I don't know. Even just saying that makes me feel <laughs> silly saying that. Um, but maybe we might have lit the way. Yeah. Uh, especially in the old days. Um, like when we started, I had never heard of Sun. No, I'd heard of Sun Vault, but I didn't know Uncle Tupelo. Right. Um, so when we started the band, which was 98, um 99 uh i still had a lot of learning to do and then i had to go back and figure out um you know all the guys that had done this already um and you had uncle tuplo and you had Slobberbone, um and and then even you know just your alejandro escovitos and um you know even steve your steve rolls uh yeah even stuff like that just that kind of I don't know the combination of rock and roll and country that we were kind of pursuing. Um, we didn't do, we weren't doing anything new, um, but I don't know, but we were kind of doing it on a level um, that's, you know, it's that whole, if we can do this, anybody can do this. You right. Know, you know, if, if you just want to get out there on the road and start a band, there's, there's nothing stopping you. Um, so I think we were good you know, in that way. That's probably the number one piece of advice for young kids who want to be in bands is you, you got to play shows as many shows as possible. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that was, that was the advice. That was the only way to do it when we started in 1998. Mm -hmm. Now, apparently, yeah, you started a TikTok channel <laughs> <laughs> and, and you get a bazillion views and then you start a band and with, a lot of financial backing and going towards that are already sold out before you've ever stepped on stage. It, um, still, ha it still has to be good though. It's, even if you get, yeah, it still has to be good. you know, I think so. Um, and yeah, and God bless you if that's how you start. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine yeah, walking on stage for the first time ever in, you know, in front of 5,000 people or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, walking on stage in front of six people was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, and that was the first Lucero show. I'm pretty sure there were six people there. <laughs> I so, took yeah. my I took my kid to see Olivia Rodrigo, and you know there were five thousand screaming. I mean, they were anywhere from ten to fifteen years old, I guess. Right. And she got famous by being in, on on Disney and all this, so all these kids are waiting in line all day. She had like 45 minutes of music. She said, that's all I have. That's literally all my music. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and yeah, and that's, 
and that's kind of i don't know i guess that's always existed in a way mm-hmm. um and we like i said it was the idea of getting in a dirty rock and roll tour van um and being in a band i don't know there was a romantic quality to it and it's kind of like having your own gang right. um even the idea of just being a solo artist who you know hired musicians has hired guns that wasn't really appealing to me i liked i wanted i wanted the gang kind of aspect to it um the i don't know the um and you know i've been going to punk rock shows in the 90s i wasn't necessarily punk rock myself but i've been those were the shows that were happening Mm. um that i went to the most and just that kind of you know with bands like jawbreaker Mm -hmm. um and I don't know, just all the bands that would come through town in their on their tours that they had, you know, booked themselves. Um, and just the way that they were I, the whole DIY kind of thing, just it it appealed to me to a certain extent. I just thought it was uh um I don't know. Uh I thought it would be a a cool way to spend spend some time. Um but as far as making a successful career out of it, um yeah, I don't think that was it. That wasn't at the top of my, uh, that wasn't on my mind as much as just um, wanting to pursue this kind of romantic, um, yeah. wandering lifestyle for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be why it lasted because the only goal was to survive. Maybe so. Maybe so. I I think I would have been very discouraged if my goal was to become a successful singer songwriter. Um, and like, you know, move to Nashville and busk on the streets and try to get in front of the right guy who's going to yeah. give me money to make my record. Uh, yeah, that sounds awful <laughs> and very discouraging. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I had no choice but to do it the way we did. All right, last album, album number five. That's, man, that's right. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm going to... Something I've been listening to a whole lot lately is that uh, the War on Drugs. Oh yeah, it, uh, I'm just a big fan. Uh, I can't understand most of the lyrics, so I don't know if I like the lyrics or not. Yeah, but I love the mood of it, and I just mm-hmm. love the feel of it. Um, and so yeah, I'd go with that first one, the the Lost in a Dream. I think um, I've got other more you know unique stuff on here, mm-hmm. but, um, but to stick to the five. That's something I would. That's something I would listen to all day long. Uh, it's such a beautiful uh, record. Around the hotel. Yeah. yeah, they're really good at what they do. Uh, he's tapped into something that's just. It's a great combination of um, influences. Yeah. Um, it, and it sounds, you know, it's got a little bit of. Uh, it harkens back to some '80s stuff, um, but it doesn't sound. It's not a retro band, and it doesn't right. sound. Um, so. Yeah, I like the elements he's using. I, I like I like what they're doing. So, so yeah, that's one. Have you seen them live? No, I would love to. Uh, I actually bought tickets for a show in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then, it, but it was the night before we we were leaving on tour. And when it came down to it, I was like, oh, I can't, this, I can't make it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's on my list of stuff to do. It's it's so much more tangibly a guitar rock in person. You no, know, in in person, and um, his lead guitar playing is is up there with you know i don't like jam bands but the kind of thing that that right, for sure. you would think well it's hitting these peaks these improvisational peaks that's and awesome. it's it's really incredible that's really cool yeah. and yeah that's something that's that's something lucero can't do uh and it's something i'm kind of jealous of um but i love when it's done right i'm not a big jam band guy either um but i respect the talent and the skills mm-hmm. um and focusing it on songs like like war on drugs is doing i'm like oh that's that's what i that's what i've been looking for (laughs) Uh, and so so yeah yeah i like it a lot thanks so much for talking with me and um it is so funny that every time anybody looks up lucero there's the mexican pop singer that comes (laughs) up too yeah and And, uh she's getting more and more well known she's been around almost as long as we have yeah um like, When's the collaboration? When when is when does that happen? I don't think she I think we're a thorn in her side and have always been <laughs> in her side. Um uh yeah. Early on, yeah, there was no Google when we picked our band name. Mm-hmm. Um and and we were thinking, we were like, we had forgotten there was there was a famous skateboarder in the eighties. There were Lucero skateboards, which we all knew about, but it didn't cross our mind when we picked the name. Um and then yeah, we didn't know until you know, five or six years in. I think we were in Florida and some folks showed up to the show and they showed up thinking it was the Mexican Lucero and it was definitely the wrong show for them. And that was the first we'd ever heard of uh, her. And the first time we thought, Oh man, this might be a problem. But, um, but yeah, now you go online and it's, yeah, it's pretty obvious who right. you're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> so so nowadays, and you know, you look it up on iTunes and there's, yeah, there's one Lucero and another Lucero. And again, it's pretty obvious which one you're looking for now. Yeah. So there might be a little confusion, but it doesn't last long for most folks. So uh, we've, I like that we can ex- both exist in the same world and yeah. make our- <laughs> Safe travels. And um, it's great that you're doing the tribute tonight. That's really wonderful. Oh, uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Tonight will be, tonight will be a special night. Um, and then, yeah. And we'll have a blast when we get out to, to the hotel in Colorado. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for doing that. Thanks for talking to me. I'll give you another hour then I gotta run. I gotta fly away. Leave you to fall. Leave you to stop. That was Ben from Lucero, which plays the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park on uh, Saturday, January 21st. Um, my favorite part of that episode was uh, looking up the Crowded House video for Something So Strong, uh, where they're playing like in a barn, and it's like, what the fuck? And they, they all have the same haircut, and they're pressing their faces against each other's and singing. The 80s were pretty weird. Um, Maybe Lucero can recreate that video sometime, but for like a really gritty rock and roll song. (laughs) Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Please do leave um, 
um, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to stuff. It really does help. Um, next week's episode of Mile High Stash is a really special one for me because I'll be talking with the incredible writer John um, uh, Hendrickson, who is a senior editor for The Atlantic in New York City. Um, John and I have a lot in common because we're drummers. We're both from Pennsylvania. We've both been music writers in um, the Denver Boulder area and we both stutter. So, um, hold on to your butts as uh, Samuel L. Jackson says, talk to you Monday as usual. Oh yeah. Don't dream. It's over. Go on and fade to gray. If you got to, maybe you'll do better without God and maybe I'll do better without you.